0: Isn't she lovely? 5, Five four, 4 3, three two, two, 2 1, one zero. 0 Dead Air Hello everyone and welcome to the Dead Air Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm not Debbie McGee. That is Rob. And this week's podcast is a special episode where we interview the lovely Debbie McGee. It's taken us a long time to get round to doing this, but we've finally done it. It was quite hard to do because Debbie is very busy. So are we. And she also lives quite far away. A long way away. So we had to coordinate our timetables. Check the diaries. She penciled us in. We penciled her in, then rubbed it out, and then penciled her in again. And eventually, we got it sussed. And here's the interview. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Can we just start by me officially apologising to you for ruining your carpet?
1: Yes, I'm going to make you get down on your hands and knees later.
0: I don't blame you, but (laughs) I'll also clean the carpet.
1: Okay, (laughs) well that's made rob speechless
0: (laughs) i'm stuck now rob i can't go anywhere with that rob doesn't rob usually outreacts like this in the presence of women he doesn't know how to behave oh i go all shy yeah so you'll have to coax him out of his shell
1: right okay then Uh, let me go and get a hammer
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for welcoming us into your home it's a lovely home Making us a lovely breakfast. That's all right. And letting us stay for the next few nights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, your tent's outside in the garden. Oh, we the tent,
0: are we? Yeah, that
1: orange one. Mm-mm.
0: Now, you were telling us before that you've just come back from Blackpool.
1: Yeah, I was up there for the day um, two days ago.
0: What was that all about? Were you working or touring or researching? No,
1: it, it was because there's a fantastic company called Weaves in the middle of Blackpool, quite near the Opera House, that makes wigs for people in show business. And I'm playing fairy fairy in panto at the Hexagon Theatre in Reading this year. Um, and so I wanted a special wig for my fairy part. It's going to have lights and all sorts Ooh, in it. So
0: you wanted a special wig for your fairy part.
1: Yes. And I trust these guys to make the wig that I want. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. So it was the only time I could go up to give them time to make it because I'm about to go on tour with the husband so i wouldn't get chance in the middle of the tour to pop in
0: tell us about the tour how did it come about
1: well you know tours are always management come to you and say you know how about a spring autumn whatever tour so this year it's autumn winter and it looks like it's going to go on after christmas as well we thought it was just finishing in december but there's going to be a break while i do panto and then we're going back on the road at the end of January, which has come as a bit of a shock because we got the dates and we weren't expecting them, but that's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, so management came to us, said, you know, I've, I can organise an autumn tour. We said, OK, then off he we went. Came back with the first 40 dates all around the country, but now it's up to 47 because of these ones, I've said, going into February.
0: 47. Well, wow. yeah. That's Nick's favourite number. It is. Mm. When you... Are preparing for a tour like this. Yeah. Do you do like a test gig before you go on the tour to check it out and see if everything works?
1: We don't always need to. It depends how much new stuff we put in. Because sometimes if we're only just putting the odd new bit in, we can test that out when we're doing a show on a cruise ship or something. So this year, we tested some items out on a couple of cruises we did. And then uh, we put the whole show together. Now, everything is things, most 80% is stuff we've never done before. And a couple of bits are things we're recreating that we did on the TV shows. Wow. But like from 25 years ago. So, you, you know, you've got to remember it. So we did do a test run at our village festival which they have every other year and it's the third time we've done it so they've seen the other shows we've done anyway so yeah so we tried this one out i it was fabulous we had a great night and they all said they did too so yep yeah, we're on the road and it's the first time i think that paul's ever done shows where he's not doing his signature tricks which are the ones people request like the chop cup and making the guys jump off chairs and things.
0: And what about the linking rings? That's my favourite. I love that one.
1: The linking rings is a backup trick because I'm doing um a Chinesey trick. Um a Chinese based thing. So if we if there are children in the audience or we feel we need a bit of extra time, he just might slip the linking rings in. But he's never always done the linking rings. Oh no? No, no. It just some some years he has. Yeah.
0: Now Do you ever get a holiday? Because it seems like you work all the time. It seems like you're always either on a tour, doing panto, on a cruise ship. We follow you on Twitter, and it it just seems like you never, ever get a break. Yeah, you're on the radio every Sunday. Yeah. I mean, come on. (laughs) What about other people? They need jobs as well, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Paul hasn't had a holiday this year at all. I had a week in Barbados with friends on my own in January, and then I had a week in Portugal in June with my family. Wow. Uh, but no, I have, won't get chance now. Uh, maybe, I don't know, in January before we go. Where, there's a two-week break after I finish Panto before we start the second leg of the tour. So who knows? We might get away then. But Paul is threatening to go away to Barbados at Christmas while I'm doing Panto. But we shall see. Will you let him? Oh, I don't mind at all, but I just know he won't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, can come, he can come to Bangor and help us out in the shop.
1: Yeah, he'd probably enjoy that more, actually. Yeah. He's not good at doing nothing or just, you know, being on holiday. He's all right for a, a weekend sometimes, but he gets the fidgets, you know. He, gets, he just needs to get on with things. Mm. So,
0: Now, me and you have got something in common. Have we? Yeah, a few months ago, I, I bought a piece of land in Scotland. All right. And I got myself a title, so I'm now Lord Robert. <laughs> And you have the title of The Lovely Debbie McGee.
1: I do. So
0: how does it feel to have such a good title?
1: Well, it's kind of weird because for years Paul called me The Lovely Debbie McGee and I kind of sort of ignored it or just took it for granted. I never really thought about it. And then a few years ago, we moved to this house and bought a boat and we were having it done up. And I used to go every day and the boatyard was just at the end of the lane. Um, and watch them sanding it down you know taking it all apart blah 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 and then one day when I went in they said De- Debbie look we don't want you to come back now until we've actually finished it and then when they finished it there was this big uncovering and Paul had renamed the boat the lovely Debbie McGee which was sort of embarrassing but you know okay. Isn't
0: um, that bad luck to rename a boat?
1: Things happen if you believe that's bad luck Oh no I don't I think it's lucky and uh, on the river there's lots of boats that are called the Lady Isabel or Things like that. So, anyway, that was fine. Got over that. Then, a few weeks later, I was shopping near where I live in Henley and queuing up somewhere. I got chatting to the lady in front of me. And in this area, because it, there's the river running right through the town, everybody talks about boats. So, she said to me, Well, have you got a boat? And I went, Yes. And then she went, What's it <laughs> called? And I thought, Oh my God, this is when it's really embarrassing. How do I say it's called the lovely Debbie McGee? So, I said to her, Well, I want you to know I didn't name it, but it's called The Lovely Dibby McGee. So, and in answer to your question, what does it feel like to have that title? Um, I think it's hysterical.
0: <laughs> I haven't used mine. No, No.
1: Actually, I've got a Lady Daniels title as well. Have you? With a bit of land in Scotland, just like you. (laughs) Yes, which someone bought me for Christmas.
0: Ah.
1: Oh, no, actually, it wasn't for Christmas. It was, they bought Paul and I both titles with this, the lairdship, isn't it, in Scotland? Um, For, we renewed our wedding vows, and it was Ah. a gift for that.
0: So you, you prefer using the lovely Debbie McGee?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I use that, and I've never used the lady. But
0: your real name must be Debbie Daniels, right? What does it say in your credit card?
1: Debbie McGee Daniels.
0: Oh, okay. Right.
1: Well, not credit cards, but other, you know, all my things. But you know what I mean. Yes. With hindsight, I actually, when I got married, on my marriage certificate, it's Debbie Daniels and on my passport. Mm. And with hindsight, I should have either not changed my name or used the hyphenated McGee Daniels because it gets very confusing.
0: I would imagine it does, Um, yeah.
1: But what happened was, you know, I took Paul's name. That was fine. But I didn't realize that even when we got married, which was a long time ago now people had got to know me as Debbie McGee so if I rang the bank or needed a table at a restaurant and I said oh it's Debbie Daniels they didn't know who it was so then I'd have to say oh you know Debbie McGee so then since then I've used Debbie McGee except for official things Uh, but that's when it gets all extremely confusing
0: my wife's the same yeah yeah we're married but she still uses her last name She's Jules Lee, but she still goes by Julia Coronel, which is her real name, and it just makes life really confusing. So you know, what can you do?
1: I know the feeling. It's done. The deed is done.
0: Yeah, you can't go back and change things.
1: Nope.
0: You get remarried? I'll just marry someone else.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm joking. I'll never marry. I'll never marry anyone oh, else. Oh, you're <laughs> going to
1: have to take her out to dinner this weekend. I'll now. sort something out.
0: <laughs> You've um. Famously taken part in some wife swapping. What? Yeah. Who are you talking to now? I googled, and that's what it came up. Oh right, you're talking to Debbie. I'm talking to Debbie, not we, you.
1: <laughs> I shall clarify this. I thought you were going
0: to get me in deep water then. Yeah, right?
1: you, dig in a hole in the ground um, to clarify it. It was a TV reality show called Celebrity Wife Swap. That was
0: it. I missed the bit celebrity bit out.
1: We did. Yes, we swapped with Vanessa Feltz and her boyfriend. So mm-hmm. it wasn't. So it's weird because they weren't married, still aren't. Uh, but yes.
0: So the question was you did a spot on her radio. Hang on, hang show. On, I'm sorry I'm sorry what? I am sorry i have got to ask. You swapped with Vanessa Feltz so that means that Vanessa Feltz had to be married to Paul for a week.
1: Yeah. 5 days.
0: How what happened Don't <laughs> That's got to be a powder keg of um, <laughs> So what happened? Well
1: actually I know because Paul's this sort of um person that's full of energy and go for it person but when Vanessa came here, because she's sort of a very large character, you know, very full-on, yeah. um, he just became very quiet mm. and, you know, went into the background and purposely let her do all the talking.
0: And how did you get on with Vanessa's boyfriend? Oh,
1: he's a very nice guy, Ben, yeah.
0: Can I ask my question now? Sorry, yes. Please carry on with your professional interview. So you did the um, a spot on the radio because you were standing uh, yeah. here, yeah. Is that where you sort of moved into radio? That's where you got a feel for it. Or? Well,
1: that's interesting, Robert. I don't know because when I did that, I'd never done any radio. Um, you know, these reality programs—they don't want you to succeed. So the um, producer and director of the Celebrity Wife Swap said I had to go and do her radio program. But when I got there the first day, because I did it for two mornings, um, Vanessa's radio producer was trying to help me because I'd never done any radio. And it was a phone-in program. You had to watch all the computer screens a lot and things like that. Um, And how to announce and things like this. And the director and producer of Wife Swap were interrupting so that I couldn't pick anything up. Mm. And in the end, Vanessa's producer, who was lovely, said, look, if you don't let me have 10 minutes with Debbie on her own, I won't let her do it. She was very aware of what they were trying to do. So then, the first day I was a bit raw because obviously I'd never done any. But the second day, I'm a really quick learner, so I really I got it all. And that was it. And I was really happy with the second day. And the girls on the switchboard said to me, and I've never told anyone else this. They said, "Don't tell anybody this, but you actually got a lot more calls than Vanessa gets. So Dead I, air
0: exclusive."
1: Yeah. So I knew I knew that. Okay. Well, I'd done okay. You know, I didn't think I did brilliantly. And I'm not. You know, I I. Um, Vanessa's a a very um direct person and opinionated and not frightened of saying her opinions I was very I I very much wanted to stay Debbie McGee and I'm not like that I just you know I'm not a person that would have ever been a politician I like an easy life and I don't want to upset people and things like that so I stayed myself and The second day, one of the executive bosses called me into their office and said, could I be a bit sharper and meaning, you know, a little bit feisty and whatever. And I said, no, because that's Vanessa, but I'm Debbie McGee. And I'm not known for being like that. So why should I change and be somebody else? I'd be acting. So I didn't. And then it was about, I think about a year later when... BBC Radio Berkshire phoned me up and said would I like to stand in for Henry Kelly for two weeks who had a slot Monday to Friday 10 to 1 on Radio Berkshire so I went and did that and there it's a station there they're really like a family it's lovely and they're very encouraging of everybody I had a great producer who actually is my producer on my own show now who really guided me well who didn't criticize me but said tomorrow why don't you try this and da 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 and also BBC Radio, there are things like like at twenty-eight minutes past the hour you have to go to travel because otherwise you lose the travel person because they're in, you know, a place in London and at half past they're going to BBC Radio Oxford. So if you miss your slot, they've gone. So they're very there's a lot of very direct things that you have to do exactly on the second. So learning how to interview people and talk up to exactly, you know, the second of that minute and then naturally have come to the end of that sentence to say oh it's time to get the travel now you know you have to learn that really so they guided me with all of that so yeah so that's how it all um, came about so i don't know whether they'd seen me on celebrity wife swap and thought oh let's give her a go or just that they knew i was in the area but anyway of course from that i got my own radio program and i'm their longest running sunday show presenter now i've been there over six years
0: can we talk about technology? Yes Briefly Now you are on Twitter Yeah And you are a twi- you are a Twitterer You do tweet Yeah I'm
1: a twitnet yeah. And it's really you It's really me It's
0: not someone doing it on your behalf
1: No that's why sometimes it's a bit erratic Like the, <laughs> the day I went to Blackpool I went up for the day mm. And I it took me seven hours to get there Because of the two accidents on the M6 So there weren't any tweets from me I did one in the morning before I left But that was it
0: now, when you tweet, what do you tweet with? What what technology do you use?
1: Mostly on my iPad. Okay. Sometimes from my phone, uh, but it depends whether I'm in an area I can get a signal. So it's generally on my iPad and occasionally from phone or computer.
0: And how are you with technology generally? Are you pretty au fait with it yeah i'm
1: not i'm not a whiz kid on it i don't know how to program or anything like that but most of the time i can get my way around what i need to do and i love it absolutely love it yeah
0: are you on facebook as well
1: i am and i do look at my facebook thing but i've which i did myself i linked my twitter to my facebook so i was quite proud of that
0: we're friends on facebook oh there we are
1: And I did for ages. I was on Facebook, but I didn't accept any friends or do anything with it because I just did my tweets, which was linked to Facebook, and that was enough. But just recently, I've kind of sat down most nights and done 15 minutes on Facebook of accepting friends and a few little messages. But actually, last night, I had a message from some. Person that said, Why are you bothering to be on Facebook when you never answer any of my friendly messages I've sent you? And he's got quite snotty. But actually, I've now got so many friends that I couldn't possibly answer all the messages. No. I can't read them all. So, but I do, you know, I try and do, you know, as many as I can, really.
0: Well, do you think that the internet is? A good aid for things like publicising the tour or being in Panto and things like that. Yeah
1: I think it's taken over from most other things now.
0: Because you can put a message out on Twitter saying I'm appearing in Panto mm. and everyone who's following you instantly knows about it yeah. and retweets again.
1: Absolutely So yeah. it
0: really is a, a good thing.
1: Yeah it's a um, I, it's like anything to do with marketing. You can't ever just do it in one area so it's a great bonus to have I think if you just do posters, or you just advertise in the newspaper, or you just did Twitter and Facebook, it's not enough. But the combination of them all now, it's been a great bonus to have yeah. the, the uh, internet. Yeah.
0: It's nice to get the feedback as well, isn't it? Because you can put something out on Twitter, and you will get answers from people.
1: Yeah. Which yeah. is
0: really good, and you, you, there's not really been anything like that before.
1: No, I agree.
0: And it gives people a way of getting in touch with people who are in the public eye let's say that they would not ever usually be able to get in touch with
1: yeah which of so. course there is good and bad yeah and just recently there's been a whole thing hasn't there about mm. people um which hasn't been good um but on the whole i think it's good
0: yeah most people i think are well behaved there's yeah. a small minority but it's like that in real life isn't it
1: yeah so and i think like even with this guy that sent me this snotty message yesterday um you know i I'm intelligent enough to ignore it Mm. you know that's the way and I just feel sorry for some of the younger people that there is a bit of bullying particularly on Facebook of young you know children of 11-ish and teenagers but they're not old enough to cope with it and also some adults aren't if they're very sensitive souls you know if you've been in show business mostly you're thick-skinned because you've had to learn to put up with an awful lot of rubbish in your life, people either being jealous or just being horrible to you. So you learn how to kind of block it out, which is what you do, obviously, with Twitter, and you just block them. But I think a lot of teenagers get a lot of abuse from their friends more than anything, and also give so much of their personal life away that they're open to criticism or other bad things. And I actually think that should now be sort of you know lessons taught at school that's saying if 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 you write this you're opening yourself up to get this kind of answer so before you write you know think about it and also because I think the youngsters put an awful lot of stuff on because they're young political views things like that which may affect them when they get a job later on and they really aren't seeing that do
0: you think it's fair that a prospective employer can look up your Facebook profile and see what bands you like and what pol- politics you follow and things like I'm really,
1: that? I'm really torn about it, I have to say. I'm really torn. Why? Because why? I'm not so sure that the bands that you follow and things like that will affect the way you work. I know it depends on your job. Mm. But by the same token, you don't want to employ somebody, perhaps, who's getting drunk every weekend and being abusive or something Mm. but if you didn't have the social media sites your boss would have no way of finding that out so therefore why should they now i don't know but i believe in life evolving so it's evolution isn't it Mm.
0: i suppose if you do go out and get drunk every night you wouldn't last long in the job anyway no so they're just saving themselves a bit of time aren't Mm.
1: they
0: rob I've, all my questions are related to magic. I'm afraid. Oh dear. Sorry, Debbie.
1: Oh, wake me up. I feel, okay.
0: Well, I bet you never <laughs> get any questions about magic. Oh, do you? Oh,
1: never ever. <laughs> well,
0: the, the, the <laughs> we make it, look how uncomfortable we're making him feel.
1: Yeah, it's good. Oh isn't my god, it? is that is he red? Is that the reflection off his microphone cover, or is that his natural colour? No, color?
0: he's he's generally blushing. <laughs> genuinely blushing. You
1: know, you only blush down to your first restricting garment. Did you know that?
0: Well, no. he's wearing a loose fitting shirt, so. But,
1: mm. Okay. But we don't know how far that blush is going down.
0: I'm feeling really He's getting now. even more red now.
1: I know. Good, isn't it? Come
0: on, Rob, ask one of your magic questions. It's a good question. Go Direct on. Direct it at Debbie. Magic is all about misdirection. Maybe not so loud. Magic <laughs> is all about misdirection. So, is it true that you are the real magician? Yes. See? Another Dead Air exclusive. There you go. Have you ever deliberately made a trick go wrong just to embarrass Paul?
1: No, but I have threatened him and said, you know, you better behave. Or, you know, as an assistant, it's not, well, yes, of course, I could make some tricks go wrong, but it's not making the tricks go wrong. But as an assistant, if you do your job properly, you're the one that controls his applause by the things you're doing. And so he knows, I know how to manipulate the audience. So I have warned him that, you know, if he hasn't bought me that new pair of shoes I wanted, then, hey, he might get some really bad applause tonight.
0: Always in control. Exactly. Has he ever left you in a box?
1: Yes. The very first TV show I did with Paul, and it was the first one of the series, and I'd worked with him in the theatre. I'd done... Two summer shows where I was just an assistant that brought props on and off. I didn't get in an illusion, and um, and then um, we were doing the Prince Wells Theatre. We had fourteen months in the West End, um, where that was just walking on and off as well because I was dancing on that show. Um, and his TV producer came to the Prince Wells Theatre show and asked if I wanted to do the TV shows then, and it was Paul's third series. Um, and interesting, this here's a little bit of information that not many people know. Before we were at the Prince of Wales Theatre, I'd actually auditioned for Paul's um, television show and not got it. But then when the producer came to see the show in the West End and I was dancing and assisting, from that he chose me to do the TV shows. So there we are. And, of course, everybody thought I just got it because I was Paul's girlfriend anyway, but um, I wasn't at that time. So
0: So how long after you, how long had you been working with him? when you started going out with him then
1: well when we first started working together we got on immediately we made each other laugh but we didn't go out together he took me he kind of he took me to a couple of opening nights or something like that but he just thought i was far too young and um and then we had a few years of it being very on and off and he had hundreds of other girlfriends oh. and he just kept saying you're far too young so i had other boyfriends you know um and then, uh, when I was 28, so I'd been working with Paul for eight years then, he then saw sort of, I was buying my own flat. I was very independent, getting quite a lot of work on my own because I was a very successful dancer. I've said this to him. He doesn't admit it, but I think, A, he says it was because I was older that he thought the press and that wouldn't give me such a hard time then. Mm. The, although the age gap's the same, it's not as big from being 20 to 40 to 28 and 48. is a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that was true because Paul's, you know, very wise and he does always think ahead and whatever. But also, I do think he also thought, oh, she's getting all this other work without me. She's buying her own flat. I wouldn't let him even buy me a piece of furniture. I'm very independent. I think he thought, oh, she's not going to need me. So I better nab her up now before <laughs> it's too late.
0: i go with your version of events. Yeah, but tell us about the box and. The oh, so yes. Yeah, so going in.
1: back to so the very first TV. Thank you for getting me back on track. The very first uh, show of the TV series I did, um, we did. Um, I think it was a Harbin's sawing a girl in halves, but it wasn't half. It was in seven pieces. It was two wooden crates with seven pieces of perspex put through you mm. or put through them. And so, and I was handcuffed and um, with wrist restraints as well in it. So in the rehearsal room, first day of rehearsals, little young me gets put in it, you know, all restrained. They close the box and put all the padlocks on. And then I heard Paul say, OK, everybody, coffee break for 15 minutes. And they all left me in it. <laughs> How wicked was that? That's, That's terrible. terrible. Yeah, so luckily I'm not claustrophobic. But after that, I said to Paul Wright, any illusion I'm going in, I want to know there's a way out that I can get out of, should I be in trouble. And is there? There always is. Although I don't go in many boxes now. In fact, this tour that's coming up in September uh, is the first year we're doing an illusion where I'm going in a box for years. I can't remember the last time we did an illusion on tour. Probably 10 years. So um, we're recreating geometrics, which we did on TV.
0: Wow, that's a good one to do.
1: And it's my favourite illusion that I did. Of all Paul's illusions, I loved doing geometrics. And when we did it the very... F- we did it twice on television. When we did it the first time, um, it was good because well, the way Paul had it made, it is it's a, better than a stock geometrics you can buy because it is different. Um, and it was good. But then we took it on tour for a year. And so a few years later, we did it again on the TV series and it's completely different. And I'm not gonna tell you in what way. Well, we'll have to wait. Because and see. that's what we'll be doing on this tour. And there's some funny bits in it which just evolved from, you know, the the best thing to do is, you know, do something hundreds of times. When you're doing television shows, you can't do that because you get a few rehearsals and that's it and it's recorded but then once you've been out and done it in live shows you find other things happen that you then leave in and that's what will be on this tour.
0: We are really looking forward to going to watch it. We're going to watch it in real.
1: Real. I thought you'd be in. Rill. We've already
0: got the tickets. Have you? Yeah, front row too.
1: It's oh, nice theater, real too. Yeah,
0: we can't wait to we can't wait yeah. to see the show. It sounds um, really exciting, really yeah. good.
1: I'm doing a few couple of more things on my own. And then the the, uh, second half, Paul's doing a couple of uh, new things. We're doing a whole new mind reading section.
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: We're incorporating bits of mind reading we have done before in the past. But that's all grown into other things. And it's part of it. I'm laughing telling you. You can see me smiling. No,
0: don't spoil it though.
1: But, um, uh, yeah, you two will enjoy it. Well, we've been
0: telling everyone to go, and Mm. uh, we will continue to do so. Great, thank you. And I hope that the tour is... I know the tour is going to be a success. I'm not even going to wish you luck, because there's no need, is there, really?
1: No, of course not.
0: Do you uh, ever regret giving up dancing?
1: No, no, not at all. I I was really lucky when I danced. I did loads of work, really good stuff. And... um, when I was in a ballet company, I was made a soloist within six, six weeks of being in the company, which is quite unusual. You're normally in the company at least four years before you get a promotion. And then when I did lots of modern dancing, you know, I worked backing ABBA around Europe, Christopher, um, you know, I did loads of wonderful work. And then I moved on to working with Paul. And when I first worked with Paul, I still did other dancing jobs and danced on his shows, but then I got, you know, from doing the TV shows, I couldn't do the dancing jobs, so I was so busy with Paul. And then it evolved into he wasn't using dancers anymore, I was just assisting. And now it's sort of moved in, you know, I'm doing my own magic. So, no, I've, you know... I think it's good in life to move on to other things. And, you know, when you get to a certain age, I don't want to sort of kill myself dancing every day.
0: You've done a lot of TV reality stuff over the years. Have you ever thought about doing something dangerous like dancing on ice?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? They all get very injured on that.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't do dancing on ice. It's a
1: tough one. I know I was shortlisted for it one year, years ago, um, but didn't actually get it. And I've had lots of friends like Linda Lusardi and people that have done it they have also Debbie. If you get offered it, really think about it because yeah. it's really tough.
0: Well, it would be massively unfair on the other contestants if you went on one of those dancing shows, wouldn't it? Why? B- because of your background and your history.
1: Well, you say that. Except that the sort of dancing they do on, like Strictly Come Dancing, isn't the type of dancing I trained in. So the advantage would be that I'm used to being taught steps.
0: Okay. Mm.
1: But to pick up the style and the actual dance itself would still be difficult. Except, I, you know, if you've been a dancer, you tend to be musical. But a lot of people that have done it, you know, like Pamela Stevenson, uh, not Pamela Stevenson, um, Billy Connolly's wife yeah, that Pamela did it, Stevenson. Um, you know, she was a dancer years ago and she's like me. She's probably, she probably had about 40 years in between finishing her dancing career and doing Strictly. But well, you know, they didn't publicise it, did they?
0: No. Paul did it, though, didn't he? He, he did, did didn't yeah, he, three w- years w- ago. Was it Strictly Come Dancing?
1: Yeah, yeah. He had Ola Jordan as his partner, who's just adorable.
0: How did it go? Was he, it
1: good? Re- I was so proud of him, because he's not musical. He can't feel music at all. So I was amazed he kept in time. I don't know how he did it. It really was a miracle. And he, he worked so hard at it, and we were on tour... When he first started rehearsing for it, and we used to spend hours in the car every day playing the CD of the music, and me counting all the music for him because he just he doesn't have that ability, and I, I'd never come across that before. And from when I've known Paul, he's always said, "Oh, I don't, you know, I can't feel music." But I really didn't understand that he actually can't hear the beats. He doesn't. I can't describe it, but because I'm so musical. To me, it was really weird. So I was really proud of him, but he was really out of his comfort zone, mm. and he really did well. Yeah, he did well. He didn't get through very far, but you know, he for what I you know he doesn't he's never ever danced or and he hates it. So it was amazing what he achieved.
0: Very good. Well, I think that we've pretty much wrapped, let's thank Debbie. We've wrecked her patio. Yes. We've wrecked her carpet mm-hmm. and her coffee table. Yeah. So we've gone for the trifecta, and she's still been lovely to us and 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 been a great host. So I'm what what breakfast. can we say? And cooked to pray We love you, Debbie. Basically.
1: Well, thank you very much, guys.
0: Thank you very much for being on our podcast. Can you speak Spanish?
1: Some, yeah. Ooh.
0: Say a bit. Give oh. us, give us, give us an adios in Spanish Por or something.
1: Adios. Uh, <laughs> hasta luego. <laughs> hasta
0: luego. Say hasta luego, Rob. Hasta luego. There you go. Ooh,
1: good pronunciation. <laughs>
0: well i hope our listeners like that yeah she was great and what a classy lady as well i really enjoyed that she cooked us breakfast yep and they took us out for a meal as well in the evening and a trip round tesco's we did go to tesco yeah you're right what i want to know is do you think they'll invite us back I mean, you really did trash their house. I didn't trash the house, exactly. You put muddy footprints all over her cream carpet. You're right, but I think she was okay about it once she saw that it was washing out. Hmm, I'm not so sure. If we never hear from them again, at least you'll know that it was my fault. That is very true. Are we going to do any more interviews after this one? Because I can't think of anyone else. There's no one bigger than Debbie McGee. Vanessa Feltz? Oh, yeah. That would be the obvious choice. Yeah. And she's bigger than Debbie McGee. And uh, I think we'll leave it there. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at deadairpodcast, and our website is www.deadairwebsite.com. We'll be back next week with our usual podcast. A big thank you to Debbie and Paul. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.
1: You are listening to the Dead Air Podcast. For more information, go to www.deadairwebsite.com.
0: I've got a joke for you. Okay. It's from the Edinburgh Fringe. Right. It was voted top joke. Top joke? This is going to be good. Cadbury's are bringing out a new chocolate bar based on an Oriental recipe. Are they? Well, I don't know. It could be a Chinese whisper.